You are listening to the Otherworldly Oracle official podcast, a Burning Hallows production. We are your hosts, Kitty Fields and Alora Rain. If you like what you're hearing, don't forget to hit the follow or subscribe button to receive notifications of future episodes. We invite you to check out our sister podcast, Mamir's Well, where we explore the macabre and taboo within the witchcraft community. Get your Burning Hallows podcast gear in our new Redbubble shop. We have everything from mugs and t-shirts to blankets and clocks in our logo and witchy phrase designs that we pull directly from our shows. You can also show your support for us over on Patreon while grabbing exclusive content and unheard footage. Also, don't forget to pay a visit to Alora's website at alorarain.com to grab a tarot reading, numerology, and soul origin profile. We'd like to give a great big warm welcome to our newest Patreon members over at Burning Hallows Patreon. Glenda and Jessa, thank you for supporting our endeavors here at Burning Hallows Productions, and we can't wait to give you exclusive content. Now onto the show. Tell me if that this sounds familiar. I love astrology, but it's so complicated. I could never learn it. Or the only thing about astrology I know is my sun sign, but I'd love to know more. Astrology, when used as a tool, can be empowering, enlightening, and can facilitate some of the most potent magical workings you will ever be a part of. Astrology can help us see our strengths as well as take ownership of our weaknesses. It also provides remedies to obstacles that appear to be otherwise insurmountable. The first step to knowing astrology is knowing how the stars that were aligned at our time of birth affect us. Our natal chart sets the tone for who we are, what we've brought with us from past lives, what our talents and shortcomings are, who we will become, and even what we look like. Join us in our first episode in our astrology series. It's going to be an hour of star power. So grab your cuppa and settle in. Okay. So before we get into it, did learning your natal chart really change your magical practice in any way? I would say that when you interpreted my natal chart for me (laughs) and as well as in the soul origin profile, that that information definitely affected my practice in many ways. Mm. Yeah, I think learning your natal chart kind of helps you see like where your strengths are and then where you fall short and how to counterbalance those things. I think that's a good way of looking at it. Yes. I, to be honest with you, I don't remember. Uh, It's hard for me to, I am an astro uh, astrological newbie. (laughs) Okay. Right. Well, this episode is going to be awesome for you. (laughs) I mean, I get like, you know, I know the basic Zodiac signs. I know what a moon and rising sign, you know, I know the, the bare basics, but as far as natal charts go, yes, this will be a learning show for me. Sweet. 
Well, let's get into it. Yeah. So what does the Western astrological chart look like? Or can you tell us like what exactly is it composed of? Sure. So the natal chart is a circular graph that is divided into 12 pieces, right? So it looks like a pie. Each of these pie pieces is called a house. And I think most people are familiar with that. Yeah. Each house of of a chart has a ruling planet and a, a sign that is associated with that planet. So don't really want to say ruling sign necessarily, but um, a ruling planet that's associated to a zodiac sign. So, um, and that's in the model that we're going to talk about. Uh, I don't know how familiar people out there are with astrology in that there are so many different forms of astrology from mm-hmm. Vedic to Uranian to all kinds of different ways you can look at astrology. And is Uranic have anything to do with Uranus? Sorry. What are you, 12? (laughs) (laughs) We had this joke once before, I feel like last season. So I I just wanted to bring it back up. Um, I actually don't know a ton about Uranian astrology. Hmm. Uh, I know Western astrology and I'm learning a system called Magi astrology, which is really interesting because it's based on just aspects. Like the planets don't even really come into play in Magi astrology. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. So back to what a natal chart looks like. Mm -hmm. So depending on your birth date, where you were born and what time you were born, each of the planetary bodies or chart points will land in one of these houses. Now there can be empty houses in a natal chart, but that's some, that's a whole nother topic. Um, <laughs> but typically the, they will land in a house, right? Mm-hmm. So somewhere in this chart, each house. Oh, go ahead. Oh, I said, got it. Okay. Each house represents a different aspect of life. And includes other things that you would associate with a particular, well, with that particular theme, right? Mm -hmm. Okay. Each planet and sign can represent aspects of life as well as mental, emotional, or physical characteristics of yourself. Yeah. Which the physical characteristics thing is something I'm digging more into and it's fascinating yeah, um, that is really cool. You you helped me a little bit with that, and it was like dead on. Mm, yeah, it's creepy, like scary. Yeah, I know. <laughs> like it's creepy accurate. It's like, yeah, you've had a big butt your whole life, and you might <laughs> struggle with hip problems later on. And you're like, whoa, what? <laughs> well, <laughs> further, the chart will also include chart balances such as elements. So like when we talk about elements, we're talking about earth, air, fire, water, right? Mm -hmm. Because zodiac sign is associated with one of the natural elements, right? Modes. So there are three different modes. Um, so there's fixed cardinal and mutable. Oh, right. Right. Okay. Then there are four quadrants and there are four hemispheres within a chart. 
Okay. I knew about the elements and the modes. I did not know about the quadrants and hemispheres. Well, we are going to get into quadrants and hemispheres in a few minutes. Oh, okay, cool. <laughs> yep. Okay. There are also usually like keys on a chart to tell you what the zodiac, planetary, and aspect glyphs mean. So, like all those symbols that you see associated with astrology, uh, like the mm-hmm. the glyphs, uh, the symbols. I know what you're talking about. They are usually. It's like a. The only thing I could think to compare it to was like um, a map key, like when you were in elementary school and there mm-hmm. was a key to show you like the capital city and all that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So they usually have those somewhere on a natal chart for you. That's helpful. It is helpful, especially if you know nothing about astrology. So at first you can learn all that stuff, right? Exactly. Um, and there's also usually a grid that details the aspects in your chart, which aspects is a whole nother episode. So we're not going to get into any aspects today, Yeah, but I was going to say, I don't even know what you're talking about with aspects. <laughs> That's another episode. It's a whole nother episode, but sweet. Um, there's a grid usually on a natal chart where you can like, it's like this, you can find the glyph for the sun going vertically and horizontally. And you can see what the aspects are that it makes to each other chart point. Hmm. Okay. Okay. So does it end up looking like it kind of, so (laughs) natal charts kind of remind me when like the investigators have a cork board and they put a bunch of pictures up (laughs) with the the, the thumb pins or the thumbtacks or whatever and then they do like the the yarn like mapping or connecting dots to each other yes and there's actually a meme like that oh really with a a guy that looks just like he's lost his mind oh that's um charlie charlie from it's always sunny (laughs) in philadelphia i know exactly what you're talking about they've used that meme a lot yeah yeah there is one of him where it says looking at your natal chart (laughs) (laughs) okay all right (laughs) That's funny. So natal charts can be calculated in a wide variety of house systems. So not only are there different astrology systems, there are different house systems. So Placidus- Not to confuse anyone. Yeah, not to confuse anyone. But Placidus is the most popular. So generally when you go to online calculators to calculate your natal chart, Mm -hmm. Placidus is the default system. Platypus, yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> the platypus system. Um, okay. And then there's whole sign and whole sign is a bit different. We're going to get into that in a second. Mm-hmm. And the chart points include planets, asteroids, fixed stars, lunar nodes, vertices, etc. Hmm. So there's actually quite a bit that you can put onto a natal chart. But the default settings for most calculators are Placidus house system and then your main planets. And usually your Midheaven and Chiron are usually included. Okay. Question. Maybe I have an answer. All right. The when your natal chart pops up with Lilith. Mm. Can you explain that? Because I really don't. I think I've looked it up before, but I don't remember. And a lot of people are always asked that question. 
You know okay. what I'm talking about, right? There's like a Lilith, whatever. I don't know if it's like a fixed star or I, I don't no. know. Okay. So Lilith is an asteroid, mm. I believe. Um, but dark moon Lilith is the astrological representation of the shadow side of our nature. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. She's the dark moon, the unseen planet. She is associated with intuition, psychic ability, hidden knowledge, but very powerful feminine energy to the point of almost dangerous. Oh, okay. So th- this is like the fine line that you walk essentially. Does that make sense? Like oh, in yeah. your most, in your most negative these are the qualities that you bring forward. Wow. Interesting. Okay, cool. Okay. Will you tell us what is the difference between platypus? I mean, Placidus <laughs> and whole sign house systems. Okay. So Placidus is based on time curves rather than on astronomical circles. It gained popularity in the Renaissance, but the origins of the system are unknown. It is also referred to as the Ptolemaic method and is known as the time proportional house system of movement. Mm. So that came from um, that little definition there came from Astro Wiki. But the main thing here is that it's a time-based system. That's why knowing your birth time is so important Mm -hmm. for those default house, you know, the default charts that you get online. Yeah. So whole house is also called whole sign or equal sign. It was widely used in antiquity and has a following today among Hellenistic and Vedic astrologers. Um, but each house is exactly 30 degrees apart and the mid heaven is not necessarily in the 10th house in whole sign, which I find to be way more accurate, especially in past life work, um, soul origin work. And it's easier to read. Hmm. Practically speaking, I use the whole sign system and everything I do. I personally don't like Placidus because I feel like it's confusing as bleep. Um, (laughs) Because the houses and the signs don't line up or go in order necessarily. Like in my Placidus chart, my first and second house look like they're both in Leo, but they're not. Okay. And me being a Virgo who needs things to be uh, what, what asymmetrical, I think is the word. <laughs> right. My brain just implodes when I try to look at a Placidus chart. It just cannot do it. It sounds confusing to me, so... So I have found that it's not as accurate in natal astrology, but specifically for the work that I do, um, with past lives and soul origins and all that stuff. But, but Placidus does have its uses and I have found Placidus to be more accurate when you're looking at daily transits. And I think, okay, wait, let me back up. So a transit is when like you are looking at where the planets are right now today And then you're lining that up against your chart, right? Mm -hmm. So if you have Mercury in the second house, but today Mercury's in the sixth house, you're going to see how that interacts with you specifically. 
Mm, okay. Um, but I think that it works for daily transits way better because it is a time specific system and transits are planets or chart points that affect your natal chart at a specific time. Right. Oh, because okay. where the planets are this morning, isn't where they're going to be tonight. And wow. surprisingly, when they move just a couple of degrees, there's a big difference in how it affects you. Wow. So yeah. things are constantly yeah, right, right. changing. Right. Exactly. Hmm. And that's, you know, that's why I always say like astrology is an art and a science and it's continually changing and you can't just look at your natal chart and say, well, this is the way I am. This is the way I am because that's not necessarily true depending mm -hmm. on what planets are affecting or what asteroids, whatever is affecting the planets that exist, that existed and where they existed when you were born. Wow. Very cool. Mind blowing. All right. So um, what about, I, I do, I think that I understand the modes a little bit, but maybe you could go into, uh, some more detail on the three modes. Yeah. Some modes. So we got into this a little bit up top, but there are three modes in a natal chart. There are three modes in astrology, cardinal mm -hmm. fixed and mutable, mm -hmm. right? So cardinal signs mark the beginning of an elemental cycle along the Zodiac wheel. They are dynamic, energetic, enthusiastic, and these are the signs that initiate action, right? Hmm. So the signs that are cardinal are Aries, which is your fire sign, your mm -hmm. first fire sign, right? Cancer, which is your first water sign, Libra first air sign and Capricorn first earth sign. Oh, okay. Okay. The fixed signs are those that occur within the heart of an element. So these guys are dependable, reliable, stable, persistent, um, and also resistant to change. They don't right. really like going out of their comfort zone too much. Taurus is Taurus. One of them. Yes, ma'am. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I have a feeling you are intimately acquainted. <laughs> yeah, a little bit. <laughs> okay. Um, also, Leo mm -hmm. is the fire one. Uh, Scorpio, the water. And Aquarius, the air. Hmm. That's an interesting one to me. And then you have mutable signs. So mutable signs are the one, the last of, of the Zodiac wheel. Um, they are flexible and able say, to, are they flexible? <laughs> yeah, they're flexible and able to relate to other elements despite being in a particular element, right? Mm, this is making so much sense. They are go with the flow easier than cardinal or fixed signs. But however, the caveat is because the energy of a mutable sign is so flexible, it's also the easiest to become scattered and unsettled and just like, ah. 
because they, they, they can get derailed from things more easily. Yeah. Yep. Yep. So those signs would be Gemini for air, Virgo for earth, Sagittarius for fire (laughs) and Pisces for the water. Oh my gosh. This is making so much sense. (laughs) Wow. I think this is my favorite part. The modes. (laughs) So much knowledge. Yeah. What mode are you in? What's your mood? I was going to say, you know, mine. No, I know. I'm just, I'm making a joke like to the listeners. Yeah. But see you, you're like mutable, but then double cardinal. Yeah. Whereas me, (laughs) are you all three? I'm double mutable and then fixed. (laughs) Oh, interesting. That's an interesting combo, right? A combo mode. Combo mode. <laughs> uh, I haven't had kind of like a combo meal. Yeah, <laughs> I was thinking of combos like the, you know, the pretzels with the cheese. Oh, I like those too. <laughs> I was thinking quarter pounder with cheese, but anyway. <laughs> okay. okay, so what about the elements? And with the elements, how is the balance determined? So this is interesting because for the longest time, like when I was first learning astrology, I just could not understand like, how, how does this say, because my natal chart, I am, I believe like 58% fire. Mm. Uh, but I have, I'm definitely an earth sign. So I was like, I don't understand this. Yeah. That I, yeah, that is a little confusing. So as we said, the, the natural elements are earth, air, fire, and water, right? Mm-hmm. So the balance of elements is determined based on a planetary scoring system of the particular astrologer. So astrologers can adjust the planetary scoring systems within um, astrology programs. The online calculators have their own calculations already embedded in there. But for example, um, some, well, some planets carry greater weight for this, for this scoring system while Mm -hmm. others carry little or none. Hmm. So for example, finding the moon in a particular element weighs far more heavily than having Pluto in the same element. Hmm. Because Pluto is what we call, um, an outer planet and the moon is a personal one. Well, Pluto's not really a planet anymore, but well, you know what I mean. <laughs> ah, that made me mad when whatever that guy's name said that. <laughs> I was like, you can't take Pluto away from us. We grew up learning about Pluto. Come on now. I personally ascribe an elemental point to each chart point because at the very least, you were born with that chart point in, say, the Earth element. Right. So it could have been a fire sign, but instead your soul chose to be born where it could be placed into an earth sign. And to me, that's really significant. Hmm. This is just, this is complex. This is a lot. Yeah. I told you it's an art and a science. If y'all weren't taking notes already, get out your little BOS pages 
and some pens and start jotting this down. Yeah, because I made some wicked fillable BOS pages for this one. You did indeed. You've put mine to shame. <laughs> this is not a competition. We're a team. Team. Oh, that's true. Right, 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 right. <laughs> there is no I in team. There is no I in team. All right. Teamwork makes the dream work. Okay, go. What? <laughs> okay, so what are the hemispheres and the quadrants? This is the quadrants. The, these, yeah, these are the ones that I was really like, what are these? I don't even know what you're talking about. Okay, so the hemispheres divide the natal chart into north, south, east, and west. And each hemisphere contains six houses. No boy. So, okay. So we're going to get into this. Mm. <clears throat> all right. And just mm. for, just to confuse you all even more, the Northern hemisphere is the southernmost point of a natal chart. The Southern hemisphere is the northernmost point of a natal chart. The Eastern hemisphere is the Western part of a natal chart. And the Western hemisphere is the Eastern part of a natal chart. <laughs> So it's like flipped opposite all of it. Yes. Hmm. Okay. And, and to that, I just want to stick this in real quick. You'll hear astrologers say sometimes above the horizon or below the horizon. Yeah. They're flipped as well. So when they say below, they mean up. They, they mean up. Okay. Well, I will say this. If you play guitar, then this concept might not be so hard for you. Gotcha. So hemispheres tend to show the direction of energy of an individual. Mm -hmm. So that is the direction in which the energy of an individual is predominantly projected. If there is a balance of hemispheres, this shows that someone can um, place their energy into lots of different aspects of life. And while this can be good, it can also cause anxiety, anxiousness, lack of direction due to energy being really scattered into way too many places. Mm. Um, the hemispheres can also indicate an individual's relative demeanor in so much as to say whether they lean towards introversion or extroversion and where that energy is derived from. Mm. Okay. So the Northern hemisphere includes houses one through six. And makes up the lower half of the chart. This section of the chart is personal, subjective, and directly impacts our personal development. The houses in the Northern Hemisphere help to shape our identity and deal with our inner selves. People whose Northern Hemisphere is dominant tend to be more introverted, private, quiet, and in some cases, even shy. So the Southern Hemisphere includes houses 7 through 12 which create the upper half of the chart. This section of the natal chart indicates the social public and objective houses. People whose Southern hemisphere is dominant tend to be more objective with their views, socially adept and concerned with the world at large or events which affect people in groups or humanity as a whole, regardless of if they are personally affected by events. So this is where you find your humanitarians, your social workers, your professors, your uh, people that are interested in the social well-being of the planet, communal narcissists. 
okay. Because <laughs> I'm learning all about narcissistic behavior. There's hmm. such thing as communal narcissists, apparently. People that get into jobs that where it's a big humanitarian effort, but they're actually just doing it to feed their own. Oh, could be. Interesting. The Eastern Hemisphere includes the first three and the last three houses and is the half of the chart to the left. When the Eastern Hemisphere is dominant, the individual is generally well and truly motivated by themselves as they have a great drive to be the initiator and take action in their lives. These people are likely strong-willed and can have difficulty seeing things from other people's perspectives. Mm. Mm-hmm. And then we have the Western Hemisphere, and this includes houses four through nine, and it makes up the right half of the chart. People with Western Hemisphere dominance tend to be focused on others and receptive energies rather than on themselves and their own motivations. These individuals often make decisions and take actions based on the needs of others versus their own needs, which can also be toxic if, if it's too much. Oh, definitely. Because you completely forget about yourself. Oh yeah. People born with Eastern or Western hemisphere dominance or where the hemispheres are in balance are seen more to follow a path of fate rather than one of free will. Wow. So that's just a theory, of course. Um, but typically there is a driving force or an unseen force that follows Eastern or Western hemisphere dominant people where it may be predetermined. Whereas people who are Northern or Southern dominant have to use their free will to create their path. Mm -hmm. So that's it for hemispheres. And now we're going to get into quadrants. Quadrants. So the quadrants divide the natal chart into four pieces and each piece contains three houses, right? So divides the chart into quarters. Mm -hmm. Quadrants are similar to hemispheres, but where hemispheres show us where we spend our energy, quadrants show us where to spend our energy, (laughs) if that makes sense. So hemispheres- One more time for the people in the back. Yeah. Okay. So hemispheres show us where we spend our energy, right? So Mm -hmm. where we're putting our focus. Right. And quadrants are here to show us where we should be spending our energy. That would serve us the best. Okay. Got it. Okay. Quadrants give further insight into the type of people we are in so much as targeting where we shine the brightest, where we bloom, where we can show off our best qualities and our highest self. Quadrants are also indicators of time, right? Okay. So, uh, quadrant one, which is houses one through three is symbolic of the beginning of life through the age of 20 quadrant two, which is houses four through six is the time period between 20 and 40 quadrant three, which is houses seven through nine is ages 40 to 60 and quadrant four which is houses 10 to 12 is representative of age 60 to death. (laughs) Okay. I'm really hoping for a lovely third quarter quadrant then. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Me too. Cause that's not far off. Come on. (laughs) Third quadrant. 
Yeah. Okay. So the first quadrant, like I said, includes houses one through three. This quadrant indicates that the individual is one of their own making. They have a solid sense of their identity and are heavily self-motivated. This individual may struggle to see situations from other people's perspectives. Mm. However, this is the individual likely to be most true to themselves as they shine brightest when expressing their sense of individuation. Okay. So like, you know, that saying, be yourself. Yeah. These people need to really be themselves. Be yourself. That's, that's their element. Okay. Second quadrant. So this is houses four through six. This quadrant indicates that the individual is motivated by others and their creative self. They have a creative and joyful approach to life and may enjoy engaging with children, peers, and small groups to teach a subject in new and creative ways. This individual learns the most about themselves through their interactions with others. The warning here to the individual is to set firm boundaries for the self so that you are not taken advantage of. So these people are really in their groove when they're being creative, when they're engaging with children, when they're teaching small groups. Okay. We like the quadrant third, two people. Yeah. Can, can we just have a shout out for quadrant two folks? <laughs> the third quadrant includes houses seven through nine. This quadrant indicates that the individual is focused on we instead of I or you as in the first and second quadrants. Mm. Intimate and close partnerships are where this person shines the brightest. It is through their interactions with intense and deep relationships that they learn the most about themselves. The only warning here is that the individual's identity can easily be lost in favor of the identity of the partnership. Ooh. So I the- hope I'm not Q3. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I am, but there's nothing wrong with that. I just don't think that that's me, but I'd be interested to know because I don't know my quadrant, y'all. Uh, I, I can look you up. <laughs> okay. Okay. What about last, Q4? Last but not least, we have the fourth quadrant. Um, this is houses 10 through 12. And this quadrant indicates the concern of the individual with us. This person likely is great at networking, is sociable, concerns themselves with humanitarian causes. When this quadrant is dominant, a concern for public status and validation appear. However, this person is a champion of the people within a collective, but the warning here is to seek individual successes and honor as well as those that are for the people. So like if your fourth quadrant is dominant, I don't think that you could be a narcissist i mean you it depends on other chart points of course but it seems like people that are fourth quarter fourth quadrant dominant get too much pleasure out of group success versus individual yeah i see what you're saying but I believe that you can find a narcissist in every quadrant. (laughs) Well, that's true. I mean, I guess. Yeah. I think they're everywhere. I feel like they're hiding behind every chart. Uh, Ready to pop out and grab you. No, I'm just kidding. Look, 
I'm not saying, <laughs> look, definitely anyone can be a narcissist, right? Because there's a whole lot of factors that go into that. Oh, yes. Yes. But if we were just looking at astrology and somebody was fourth quadrant dominant, ah, my, my instinct it. would be to say that they're more concerned with group success than personal success, but that's got just it. strictly looking at a chart and having no other information. 10, four. Yes. I mean, quadrant four. Yes. <laughs> All right. So does that sum up the quadrants? Yes. So what are the most common chart points that are included on a Western natal chart? Right. So on a Western natal chart, typically the ascendant sun, moon, Mercury, Venus, Mars, Jupiter, Saturn, Uranus, Neptune, and Pluto at the bare minimum. Like I said, most charts include the above plus Chiron, the midheaven, and the north and south lunar nodes. Okay. Uh, natal charts can be adjusted to include many more points, like we were talking about before, like the vertex, the part of fortune, the black moon Lilith, Selene, mm-hmm. or Selena, Sedna, and a host of other planetary bodies and vertices. Very cool. So depending on the planet sign and house will depend on the interpretation of your natal chart. So the aspects the chart points make to other chart points is important too. So like I said, this podcast isn't about aspects, but aspects are a big deal in Western natal astrology. So this would be things like if you hear the words trine, square, opposition, these all affect a natal chart, but I'm just going to keep it simple for the time being. So just for example, what I'm talking about would be if you have Saturn in Scorpio in your fourth house, that all gets taken into consideration, what the house means, what the sign means, what the planet indicates, right? Goodness. Okay. (laughs) Does that make sense though? Yes. Okay. It does. I just feel like there's no way that I'm going to remember all of this stuff about myself, you know? See, that's why we make Book of Shadows pages. Oh, right. Yes, those mm. on our Patreon. Shameless plug. Shameless plug. <laughs> <laughs> so let's move on. Okay. Are we moving on to the big three? Yes. Oh, this should be fun. So what is the big three? It is extremely likely that most listeners that are listening to this podcast and are magically minded, of course, know that their big three is the sun, moon, and rising. Like when somebody asks you, like, what's your big three or what's your main three? This is what we're talking about. Okay. So the sun sign is who you are at your core. It's your ego, your will, your identity, your maturity, your Mm -hmm. vitality. Mm -hmm. Right. The moon sign is how you are internally. So this is your emotions. It can indicate past life stuff, subconscious motivations, childhood, Mm. receptive energies. And the ascendant, the ascendant I'd like to get into a bit because the ascendant is super interesting and I never really understood how interesting an ascendant could be because I thought, I always thought like, okay, well, 
yeah, this is what we project to the outside world, but it goes so much further than that. Ascendant is also rising for people that don't know. Yes. Yes. Okay. So the ascendant is the mask that we put on for others. When we make a first impression, it's likely that we do so with this guise, right? So just for instance, I have a Leo rising and every time that I have met someone new and we started talking about astrology, they have guessed that I'm a Leo and that's why. Wow. But the ascendant is a facade and it's how we project ourselves to protect ourselves, right? Oh boy. Yeah. So when we said at the beginning of the podcast that astrology can affect how we look, I was very much talking about the ascendant and the aspects and planets that affect the ascendant. So I'm going to use myself as an example and hang on for this ride. And and I apologize if it's a little convoluted, but just hang in there. Okay. Okay. All right. So my ascendant, like I said, is Leo. So some of the physical traits of the sign of Leo, they're famous for their luscious hair, um, being dramatic or commanding presence, their outward confidence and positive attitude, warmth and generosity, loyalty, be looking regal. Um, but within the physical body, Leo rules the heart, spine and upper back. And here's where it gets interesting. Okay. Okay. In my natal chart, I have Mars in my first house with my ascendant. So I have Mars in Leo and I have my rising in Leo. Mars is what we call one of the malefic influences in a natal chart because it's the planet of war and destruction, right? right? Yeah. But it's also the planet of motivation and action. Um, so it, has its good qualities and it's not so good qualities, but I also have Saturn squaring my ascendant. So even though this podcast is not about aspects, I'm just going to plainly say that a square is a really hard obstacle, right? So let's just think of it that way for now. Okay. And Saturn, the planet is known as the great constrictor. So anywhere that Saturn is, it is oppressing some aspect of wherever it's at. So we have the great constrictor in a really hard obstacle, right? In, and this is all happening in Leo. Right. Right. And we've got Mars there that is war and destruction as well. So all of this is coming together. And I said that Leo rules the heart, spine and upper back. Right. I was born missing pieces of my heart, like literally. Wow. So this explains that my, like my physical body, because the ascendant is also your physical body. So with the great constrictor affecting my ascendant, my physical body, Saturn has literally taken away the full power of my cardiovascular system. Wow. That's crazy. Right. Wow. And you can clearly see this in my chart. Um, let's see. Oh, also this is just a, (laughs) 
funny tidbit, but uh, for the majority of my life, I have been called intimidating, <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> which go, which go, also goes back to that ascendant quality of just having like a commanding presence, I guess. I, I, I don't know, but I'm going to associate it to my ascendant because I've never been in a physical confrontation or <laughs> any sort of anything in my life. Okay. And so knowing your big three is a great start to astrology, but astrology is so much more than your three placements, right? So Mm -hmm. for example, if you want to know what kind of lover you are, where's your Venus at? If you want to know where your wounds are, your soul wounds, and how do you heal that? Well, where's your Chiron at? Right. Mm. So each chart point in a natal chart can give us another piece of our personal puzzle. I'm going to have to go back and look at my Venus and Chiron. Apparently (laughs) here's also another helpful hint. If you know, somebody's ascendant or rising sign, you can figure out their whole house sign in your head. So all you have to do is really know the order of the Zodiac. So the order in which the Zodiac travels. So for example, again, Leo rising, this means that my second house would be Virgo. Third would be Libra. Fourth would be Scorpio and so on. Oh, okay. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. Um, also interesting tidbit, the moon and the sign that it's in, represents your perspective and relationship relating to your mother or mother figure. Oh, and the same is true of Saturn for your father or father figure. Yeah, it's kind of, eh, but at the same time, it brings so much understanding, especially if you had a contentious relationship with a parent or you had a non-existent relationship with a parent, you can pretty much look at your chart and be like, okay, this makes sense. Well, I was just making those little noises because I've been doing a lot of shadow work lately and I'm kind of like, I'm shadowed out. (laughs) (laughs) So this would be, I mean, it would actually be very helpful for me and I will have to go look it up and, and see what's, what's the dealio, but, um, yeah. Yeah, I think very that good stuff, Alora. Yeah, I was going to say though, I think that when you do, I think it will will be less shadow and more self-realization, more, okay. you know what I mean? Okay. I I I don't I don't know. I'm sure for some people it will be shadow work, but for other people I think it's more of a confirmation of validation of their feelings almost or validation of their emotional and mental well-being okay if that makes sense i i i hope that that is the case for everybody i hope so too but i mean knowledge is power knowledge is power and i think that's another agree but sometimes it's too much knowledge and you just want to go like scream and cry and hide yourself in a closet but that's empowering too in a way, yeah. I think, because Which is funny, because I had a dream about that last night that I hid myself in a closet. <laughs> anyway. 
Okay. <laughs> Cause I think I'm learning so much about myself lately that I'm just like, I don't want to know anymore. But even that, you know, even that want to burst open and pour out and, uh, you know, heal, mm-hmm. I think, I think that's empowerment as well. Yeah. And I, I believe that you're right. I think astrology and especially looking at your natal chart will help you on your healing journey. I think so too. Very cool. Well, so are you, are we going to talk about where to go online to cast your free natal chart at this point? Yeah. Yeah. So I think the best place to do this is astro.com. This is Astro Dianist. I can't Astro Dianist, I think is how you say it. Um, but it's astro.com. It's probably the best free chart calculator on the internet because it lets you choose all the different house systems, all the planets you want to include, asteroids, vertices, all of that. Hmm. Uh, and they have like a host of free features. Um, and it also lets you save a PDF copy of your chart as well as the tables that come with it. Sweet. So if you're wanting to make a book of shadows page for your particular natal chart, I would highly recommend astro.com. Very good. Then you've got astrolabe.com. This is a great site. If you're looking for a free natal chart with a little bit of interpretation, uh, I think they only interpret the main planets, uh, but it's something Uh, if you are at the absolute beginning and you need a little bit of help Mm -hmm. and then there's some apps, uh, that you can get that are great for absolute beginners that are free or cheap. So time nomad is the number one astrology app. I would recommend you can pretty much do anything on it. Uh, they have add-ons, but the add-ons are like a dollar, two dollars, three dollars. That's it. Okay. Not bad. Not bad. Astro future is another one. It is free, uh, but the free features, uh, are limited. Uh, but it it's also great because it gives you an overview of major events for the upcoming year to look at as well. It gives you interpretation on your natal chart and kind of tells you, what your strongest aspects are, what, you know, what influences you most, things like that. And it also has some synastry features as well, which synastry is relationship astrology. If you're looking for that and this, and this, (laughs) this particular app calculates in whole house astrology by default, I think. So that's one of the reasons why I like that one. Cool. And then last but not least, so CoStar gets a lot of hate um, by, by astrologers, but oh, really? um, yeah, but I think it's fun for beginners because it's also like a social media thing. So if you just want a quick and dirty chart casting of your chart, it then compares it to your friend's natal charts. So it you enter it through Facebook, I believe. Um, and then any of your Facebook friends that are on the app, it will recommend that you become friends with them. Um, and then it'll kind of compare and contrast your charts each day. It's kind of cheesy with its interpretations though. Uh, but it's fun to see like, oh, you're going through crap. Me too. Uh-huh. 
Right. That that's the fun part there, especially if you have a lot of mystical friends who are also into astrology. Awesome. I'd never heard of any of those. So I have to check them out. You should for real. Or you know what? I do believe I've gone to astro.com before, but the rest are all new to me. So, so thank you. Get to appen. Oh yeah. (laughs) The appening. (laughs) (laughs) Are we going to wrap it up or? Yeah, I think we are going to wrap it up. Once again, a huge thank you to all our listeners. We appreciate your support and positive witchy vibes. Don't forget to follow us on social media through Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok to keep up with the latest episodes and merch drops. Speaking of which, be sure to stop by our Redbubble to stock up on your Burning Hallows podcast gear. If you'd like to contact us with feedback or ideas for future shows or merchandise, just email us at burninghallowsproductions, all one word, at gmail.com. And until next time, remember, whether you're in the land of the Fae or the land of the ancestors, stay otherworldly.